This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Mostly What God Does, written and narrated by today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie. Mostly What God Does is available now everywhere you get your audiobooks. Hi, welcome to the Finding Holy podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales. I'm author of the book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, and the forthcoming book called A Spacious Life. Here at the Finding Holy podcast, it is our aim to help you connect the dots to the big things that matter to your everyday holy life. You'll get to hear my guests' laundry routines too, because big things matter, but so does the laundry. Here's a little bit more about my guest today. Dorothy Little Greco is a writer and photographer who lives outside Boston. She's the author of Making Marriage Beautiful, and she and her husband lead marriage workshops and retreats, speak at conferences nationwide, and have been helping couples create and sustain healthy marriages for over 25 years. Her most recent book is called Marriage in the Middle, and we chat about how the pandemic has changed marriages and what are a few practical starting places to begin to connect again. Listen in to this conversation with Dorothy. Friends, I'm really excited to welcome my friend, Dorothy Greco, to the podcast. We're going to talk about marriage and pandemic life, and it's going to be great fun. So thank you, Dorothy, for being with us. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks. So tell us a little bit. You've written two books on marriage. Why marriage? Is like your marriage the best marriage? (laughs) I just asked that, I think, because... A lot of people feel really intimidated about talking about their marriage and talking about marriage is in generally. So tell us a little bit about how you got into writing, particularly about marriage before we kind of get into your thoughts on marriages right now in this moment. Sure. I, I definitely do not consider myself a marriage expert <laughs> and I would not say that Christopher and I have the perfect marriage, but <laughs> I know. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't think there is such a thing as a perfect marriage. We have a really good marriage, but we have worked very, very hard mm. to have that good mm. marriage. Mm-hmm. Christopher and I are both two incredibly strong-willed people. We have opinions about everything <laughs> from what color the wall should be painted to where the furniture should go to it's like you name it. And right. we have to discuss and, and really listen to each other. Um, so it's been it's been a lot of work trying to figure out what does it look like for the two of us to become one? How mm-hmm. do we love each other well? How do we serve each other? How do we support each other? How do we make sure that we both can flourish? Um, mm-hmm. We both have lots of dreams and aspirations. So that has also you know been a challenge mm-hmm. for us. So I think that the the reason that I've chosen to write two books on marriage, one is because we've needed it. You know, the Mm -hmm. first marriage book came out of a season that was unbelievably difficult for us, not necessarily because of um, dynamics within the marriage, but external Mm -hmm. um, pressures and challenges that we didn't see coming. Mm -hmm. And then the second one, Marriage in the Middle, I think that midlife is really challenging. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you've noticed that. Yeah. Um, There are many pressures, many challenges, many surprises, things that perhaps we didn't see coming. um, And that causes us to to do a lot of renegotiating, a lot of recalibrating, a lot of figuring out what does it mean to stay connected? How do we um, get through this season without pulling apart? Mm 
Yeah. So that book really was born out of the fact that three years ago, we had multiple couples who are close friends of ours, all deep believers, all who had been married more than 25 years, and their marriages just unraveled in a very short period of time. And I think that there was something very sobering about that. Yeah. And it really made me stop and say, okay, like, is there a way that I could think about proactively being ready, proactively being prepared for some of the things that we might face? And then how could I share that with other people so that they have um, maybe a little bit more in their toolbox mm-hmm. as midlife years come? Mm-hmm. How, you know, not to be like airing people's dirty laundry, but maybe in just what you've noticed, not necessarily those particular friends, but what are the things that are pulling on that thread that are unraveling marriages that you're seeing? I think there there are many different things. One might be uh, little petty annoyances or irritations that are sort of like background noise mm-hmm. that we we know that they're there and we feel them, but we don't have either the time or the energy to really um, explore what's causing them or figure out what would it look like if we could really turn that buzz off. Hmm. So that's one thing. Another thing would be places where we've been hurt repeatedly, where we've been disappointed. Disappointments really pile up, particularly mm-hmm. in midlife. Mm-hmm. So if there's disappointments that have happened and we've not really gotten to the bottom of what were our expectations, were our expectations realistic, were they're unrealistic, um, how is it that we can unpack the disappointment to get to a place of um, having more realistic expectations, but also not holding it against each other when mm. we, you know, we could say that the other fails us, but probably right. it's not that they failed us so much that our expectations were not realistic. Right. I think that that's, that's a really big one. And then if we haven't dealt with some of the deeper spiritual issues that we have of loss, of suffering, um, you know, we can blame each other rather than coming towards each other and figuring out how we can serve each other well in that season. That's great. I think that's really helpful. I'm sure couples listening, you know, there's something that maybe has rung a a little bell (laughs) in their heads as they're thinking through that. What have you noticed, particularly through this pandemic space um, has been hard for couples, maybe, you know, some of those couples in in midlife, particularly, how has the pandemic changed marriages? That's a great question. Maybe I'll give you an illustration from my husband's car. So he has a super, super old car, like 275,000 miles at this point. Yeah. He's not really a car guy. So it's not uncommon that I'll borrow his car one day and I'll notice that there's this blinking yellow light on the (laughs) dashboard. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, say, hey, did you notice that there was a little blinking yellow light showing up on the dashboard? Mm -hmm. And he'll say, no. I didn't notice that. And I believe him. Like, I really think he he doesn't notice it. And the reason he doesn't notice it is because it happens all the time. Right. So that <laughs> blinking yellow light transitions to a steady red light when there's really something wrong. Like it's almost out of oil or, you know, whatever. I'm not a car person either. So I couldn't find it. <laughs> right. Um, but I think that there's a way that that's like an apt metaphor for all of us in the past year, like the behaviors, the uh, relational dynamics, things that have been mildly annoying or inconvenient, that little blinking yellow light has kind of mm. transitioned to a steady red light. Mm. And it's as if in the past 12 months that we have not been able to turn our engines off and allow them to cool down. Right. We're, we're tired. We've mm. been confronting our limitations, our spouse's limitations nonstop for the past 13 months. Some of us are feeling really hopeless, depressed, lonely, 
And, and I think to some extent, like the break in our normal routines um, has been really disorienting to us. You know, typically one of us or maybe both of us go out of the house at the beginning of the day and we don't right. see each other for six to 10 hours. You know, we're not in each other's spaces. And that's true even if one or both of you work at home, there's a sense of um, independence and autonomy. Right. Like for me, when I'm not either out taking photographs or speaking, um, I have a small office in our house. And now that all the kids are gone, I've grown accustomed to having a very quiet house with no interruptions. Yeah. So last March, our college-age son was sent home, you know, along with other college students throughout Boston. Um, and my husband, who, who teaches theater, was doing his classes on Zoom in our house <laughs> as an open floor plan. Ah. So, you know, yeah. drama is dramatic. There's <laughs> Loud. All these bizarre vocal things that they're doing, they're screaming, they were doing um, Macbeth or something, you know, <laughs> on Zoom, Yeah. right? And so the first couple of weeks of the pandemic, I kept feeling like, who are you people and why are you in my office? Right. And, and we kept interrupting each other, making noises when somebody else was having a Zoom call. There was one time, I think like the second week of school when s literally 60 seconds before Christopher was supposed to lead worship for the entire student body, I set the smoke detector off. <laughs> so I'm running like, like a lunatic through the house, opening doors, opening windows, you know, like right. using a yeah. towel to yeah. try to yeah. abate the smoke. And he's sitting at his keyboard with this mixture of like <laughs> furious anger and total panic on his face. <laughs> we laugh about it now, right. but in that moment right. and afterwards, yeah. I can tell you he was he was not happy about that. Yeah. So that that constant togetherness is really unfamiliar for many of us. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, we have the stress of a disease, which is indiscriminately killing people right and left. We've lost quite a few friends. There's the financial implications of COVID. Since mm -hmm. last March, I've had three photography assignments. Um, you know, we have friends who have lost their job, who have lost income, super, mm -hmm. super stressful. And then if we're parents, you know, our kids are home and we have needed to figure out how do we balance their academic needs with their emotional, their relational, mm -hmm. their spiritual needs and from what I've heard from people, that's been like, you know, five levels beyond overwhelming. Right. Particularly right. if you have a child with special needs, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so all of that has added up to, I think, a tremendous disequilibrium mm -hmm. and um, powerlessness, which tends to either be a setup for deep spiritual conversion mm. or lots of conflict and psychological distress. Right. I yeah. think we know about the latter. Probably everyone can imagine that one if they if they haven't experienced it. But talk to us a little bit about what you're saying about, you know, this can actually be an opportunity for deep spiritual transformation in some of our most intimate relationships. Yeah, I think that we need to be reminding ourselves that disequilibrium, it's disorienting, but it's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, if you think about it, like with the supply chain, when there's a disruption in the supply chain, what it typically leads to is innovation. Mm. And, you know, we even see, saw that in, in the early months of the pandemic when I don't remember the name of the company, but there was a vacuum cleaner bag company that mm -hmm. started making masks. Right. Or, you know, other, there were lots of different things that were happening yep. in that time frame. So, you know, say you've been married for a while and you've both accommodated to um, behaviors that are maybe functional, um, but perhaps not as healthy or whole as they could be. Mm -hmm. Like you have the same fight again and again and again, or you mm -hmm. feel disconnected, but not so disconnected that you feel like you need to go to counseling or really address the issues. Mm -hmm. um, 
So in this season, I think that what's happening is people are, are being able to say, this disequilibrium is, disequilibrium is causing me to work on my core. It's mm. causing me to mm -hmm. think about how is it that we could rearrange our lives or make some changes that would be better for us and better for our families. So mm -hmm. one of the things that we're hearing people talk about a lot is they don't want to go back to the old normal. Right. And, and maybe that old normal means that, you know, your kids were involved in five different activities every day after school and you spent six hours shuttling them from <laughs> thing to thing. Yeah. Right. It's, mm -hmm. That's just part of American life. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe you had the habit of watching TV every night rather than really having good conversations or having um, sex or mm -hmm. praying together. Mm -hmm. And so this, this being shifted or muscled out of what's normal gives us the opportunity to say, okay, what's not working? What yeah. hasn't been working? Where, where have we gotten off course as a couple? And how is it that we can use this season of um, being disoriented to get mm. ourselves back on track and to make some different choices. Mm. That's really helpful. I love that core imagery too. Help us think through, especially for those of us who've been married for, you know, longer than a few years, mm -hmm. how might we begin to kind of rekindle an imaginative space for our marriages? It's a process, right? It's not right. something that's just we're going to do over the weekend or we can just <laughs> put on our to-do list and then be done with that. Um, I think one of the one of the things that one of the starting points perhaps is paying attention to what we're feeling. Mm -hmm. Often it can seem like um, we don't want to deal with disappointment. We don't want to deal with anger. We don't want to deal with resentment or frustration. It just mm -hmm. takes too much energy. And so we kind of push it off to the side and we manage what's happening without really diving into how can we get to a place of real deep peace and real deep mm -hmm. connection with each other. Right. So our feelings are messengers and, and we need to listen to them. I'm not saying that we need to obey them. Right. But I think if we don't deny them, but really say, gosh, you know, I've really been feeling resentful towards you over the past couple months. And part of that is connected to the fact that I feel like you're not really listening to me when we have conversations. Mm -hmm. So let's discuss this. Let's talk about how we can um, connect with each other better, um, confessing our sins to each other. I think, you know, Christopher and I are huge proponents of regular confession of sin. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, I, I do mean like out loud to each other. Yeah. Um, there was a couple years ago, well, more than a couple years ago, it was a couple decades ago now, but I, I've uh, had a habit of habitually lying about little things. Mm -hmm. And I really felt like that the Lord was saying, that's not okay anymore. Like you really have to let go of that. And it was, it was more along the lines of if I was upset or angry and Christopher said, Hey, what's wrong? I would just say, I'm tired. Right. And I felt like that the Lord came in and said, you're lying. You know, you are lying to your husband right now and you need to stop. You need to start taking the risk of telling him the truth. Hmm. So that I think, you know, again, we have the opportunity to do that in this season. Many of us are connected to having feelings. Some of them are, are hard feelings. Some of them are negative, would be considered negative feelings, mm -hmm. but pressing into them, having enough self-awareness to say, yes, this is happening. Mm -hmm. And then talking about what's going on, but, but doing so... Um, coming to the conversation with curiosity rather than defensiveness, mm -hmm. like, hey, I noticed that you've been a little bit detached lately. Can we talk about what's happening? Um, when we do that, again, when we come in with curiosity rather than a sense of um, blaming or mm -hmm. being a victim, then I think that we can help each other to find solutions rather than just get stuck in um, blaming yeah. each other.
This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. What does that look like for you or, you know, as you're working with other couples, you and Christopher together, practically? Do people tend to say, okay, we're going to set aside, you know, have like a family meeting or a marriage meeting to kind of hash, you know, have these sorts of, you have everything flaring up, but then here's our calm time where we can actually, after everything's blown up, maybe we can address it. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe the best thing is bookmarking it in the midst mm. in the middle of the explosion, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes those aren't the best times to talk. Right. Um, but being able to differentiate having a a meeting where you're just exchanging information, which I think all of us need to do on a regular basis, particularly in these seasons when there's disruption, because Mm -hmm. everything, nothing is normal anymore. Right. So every single day, almost, it feels like we have to talk about, okay, now what time is your zoom call that I need to make sure that I don't set the smoke detector off? (laughs) Right. Are you going to be able to take the dog out today for his long walk? You know, Mm -hmm. those little mundane things that can again pile up. So having meetings to talk about that, but then really choosing to set aside time Mm -hmm. where we can focus on each other without being pulled in a hundred different directions, without being distracted by social media or our kids or, or anything else. And, and maybe that means, you know, Friday nights, you have scrambled eggs for dinner and you Mm. leave the dishes in the sink and either you let your kids watch a video for an hour while you talk or you get them to bed early. Right. And and you have time and energy that you really focus on each other when you're not exhausted and you're not feeling um, like there's, you know, a to-do list that's just hovering over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. I think a lot of it too, even just in some of these practical ways where we're, we're speaking about this is it's, a greater acknowledgement of our limitations and not trying to fight them, right? Not to fight this season even. Right. Yeah. I think that we're all just, if we're honest with each other, we have all been face to face with our limitations for the past 13 months, (laughs) our limitations and our powerlessness. Yeah. Yeah. What hopefulness have you seen either in your own marriage or marriages of friends or people that you guys are, you know, working and mentoring, um, in this pandemic, what's our best case scenario? Maybe if we come come out the other side of this pandemic for for American marriages or global marriages. Yeah, in marriage in the middle, I talk quite a bit about telos, which is um, mm-hmm. you know it's a Greek word that essentially means our ultimate destination, who we're traveling with, how we're going to get there. You know, I see it as like a guiding purpose. Mm-hmm. So the disruptions and the disequilibrium of the pandemic can help us to think about 
mm-hmm. um, and potentially chart our telos for the next season of our lives. Mm-hmm. So for us to stop and to say, okay, maybe some parts of our marriage are not really working well. Maybe we're not being intimate enough. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, we're spending too much time in front of the TV. Maybe we're not listening to each other the ways that we are, are meaningful to us. So asking each other, what's working? What's not mm-hmm. working? How long has it not been working? Where did we go off track? And, and who do we want to be in 10 years from now, right? Mm-hmm. And, and is each part of our life moving us in that direction or is it blocking us from moving in that direction? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Christopher and I have had lots of conversations with people about their wanting to make changes that are pretty radical and fundamental changes. So people moving, you know, from expensive parts of the country to less expensive parts of the country. People mm-hmm. deciding that um, actually they don't want to be working 80 hours a week, that maybe cutting back to 60 or 50 <laughs> would work for them. Mm-hmm. So as, as we experience the shaking, I think that if we really stay rooted in the Lord and stay connected to each other, the extraneous stuff can begin to kind of like break and crumble off of us. Mm. And then we're left with a sense of like, oh, right, this is who we are. This is who we are as a couple. This is who we are as a family. And we've just gotten really off track. We've gotten pulled um, away from the things that are most important to us. So how is it that we can recalibrate? How can we come back? How can we imagine mm-hmm. um, how things might be different for us? And, and that really is key is, you know, we apply our imagination to so many different things every day. Mm-hmm. What are we cooking for dinner? How can we help our kids get through geometry lessons? <laughs> or how do we solve a problem at work? Mm-hmm. And we fail to bring that level of imagination mm-hmm. into our marriages. And we really need to do that. Mm. That's so great. Do you have like a personal practice yourself to help remind, or has it just become so natural at this point where you're like, here's where my imagination intersects with my marriage so that I even just have the capacity or the wherewithal to begin to imagine, you know, I'm just thinking of like spiritual practices, for instance, some people might do a prayer of an examine at the end of the day, and that becomes habitual for connecting with God and, and connecting with ourselves and understanding our work in the world. Is there something like that, a practice like that, that you do for your marriage? I think as it connects to confession, the daily examine is, has been really important to me. So what that means is pretty much every night as, uh, as we're in bed, um, I'm just praying, Lord, was there anything that happened today that I need to confess? And to be honest with you, oftentimes the Holy Spirit is like, yeah, you know, that one moment <laughs> yeah, yeah. when you were kind of impatient with your mother, like you, you sinned in that moment. You yeah. didn't press into me and figure out what does it look like to love mm. your mom in that moment? Mm. Um, times when I'm impatient with Christopher, that's probably one of my root sins in relationship to him. <laughs> and so then to just be able to turn to him and say, you know, and I, and I hate doing it. I do. Like, I I will think of a hundred reasons why I don't need to do it. (laughs) Right. But there is so much fruit when I just say it, when I just confess it, when I just acknowledge it as a sin, and Mm -hmm. then he speaks forgiveness over me. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I can start again with a fresh slate the next day. So Mm -hmm. that's one thing that's really helpful. And I think another, again, is um, going back to paying attention to what, what we're feeling. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I can tell, like when I pay attention to the inner dialogue, monologue that I have in my head about my husband, mm-hmm. I can learn a lot. 
So if I'm, you know, feeling critical towards him, if I'm saying things like, I can't believe he did that again, or I can't believe he didn't do that again, whatever, you know, and they're always little things. It's nothing big. But if I pay attention and notice that, that often says to me, oh, there's a conversation that needs to be had here, or I need to forgive him for something, or we need to really apply our imaginations to this dynamic, because often it's connected to a dynamic, yeah. to figure out how can we how can we break it apart and make it into something better. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think that's great. What What helps you continue in hope for that okay this disequilibrium these all these broken pieces right that you're actually moving forward imaginatively to you know this telos that you're talking about mm-hmm. together i mean obviously god and the holy spirit we can say is you know a quick shorthand but if you have any specific ways in which that has worked out for you we'd love to hear it well just to state the obvious it's a slow process And it's often way slower than we would like it to be. You know, when I look at who I was, we'll be celebrating our 30th anniversary soon. When I look at who I was 30 years ago when we got married, I I can tell that I'm a different person. And yet I wish that I was more of a different person. (laughs) There are still some things that I think I cannot believe that I'm still struggling with X, or I can't believe that I still say things that I shouldn't say in a moment when I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, so having an, having that long-term perspective, super helpful for all of us that we not get impatient with ourselves or with our spouse. Um, and then I guess the hope also just comes from the regeneration of the Holy Spirit that happens on an ongoing basis. You know, mm-hmm. when I'm yeah. feeling depleted and I go for a walk, um, that really helps me. And it helps me even more when I go for a walk and I'm praying, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill me with what I need to love my husband well. Mm-hmm. And then seeing the fruit of that, I think that that gives me hope. Mm-hmm. And even just you know, some sort of way, even maybe writing things down so you can see where you began and where you are, um, or even just incremental progress. Cause in the moment, right. Or when things are tense and overwhelming, it can feel, it can be feel really hopeless. You know, that you're going to yes. be going around the same merry-go-round of an argument. Yeah. That hopelessness is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And there is a way in which I think that we have to work hard to push off against that because yeah. if, we're, if we're connected to God and if we are continuing to learn how to love each other, which again is a process, there's always hope. Yeah, There's always hope. There's never a reason for us to descend into despair um, because the Lord's faithfulness is, is a powerful, powerful tool for us to learn what it means to love each other well. Yeah. Any final words just for folks listening? Um, maybe they're struggling in their marriage. Um, maybe it's just dredged, you know, the pandemic might have dredged up a lot of stuff. What would you say, you know, just to speak truth and life and hope to someone listening right now? Ask for help. Mm. Really, like, don't be bashful. Don't feel ashamed. Don't feel like you're less than to ask for help. I think that in the seasons when Christopher and I have really been struggling, are reaching out to friends, are reaching out to counselors, are reaching out to spiritual directors, has really been a lifeline for us. You know, and sometimes it's simply being honest with another couple is right. sitting down or, or on Zoom, you know, and saying, we are really struggling and here's how we're struggling. And we need, we just need somebody else to know. Right. Like they don't even have 
solve all your problems. It's just the companionship mm. and, and the easing of aloneness in that space that is um, can be huge for us. And we're also um, really strong proponents of getting counseling. So there yeah. are seasons when we are stuck. We just can't find our way through. We don't have objectivity. Um, we're floundering. Maybe we're descending into despair. And I think those moments we have to really be willing to say, you know, we need professional help. We need to yeah. commit to going to counseling for six months so that somebody can come come alongside of us and really help us navigate this time. Mm -hmm. What I'm really hearing you say too is that marriage isn't obviously just about two people, right? It's about wider community. It's about larger institution, right? And it's about being a part of something bigger than a couple. Yes, we really need to be part of a community, which again has been one of the most difficult aspects of the past year. I think that- right. the, not being able to see people we normally see, even just, I think one of the things I've missed the most, Ashley, to tell you the truth, mm -hmm. is not hearing a sermon on Sunday morning, you know, no disrespect to your husband, <laughs> right. not, not worshiping, which my husband is a worshiper, yeah, yeah. but it's the, it's the praying for people after church, like mm -hmm. having a conversation with someone that maybe lasts 10 minutes and then saying, let's pray for each other. Yeah. That yeah. sort of thing that most of us have not had has been a huge loss. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm very anxious to get back into a yeah. space where we can normalize, you know, seeing right. each other on a regular basis right. again. You know, I was even noticing just being with some other folks recently, because most of us are vaccinated, but just like how I've missed chit chat, you know, like <laughs> normally I don't like that. Like, I'm like, let's all deep relationships all the time. But we need a variety of relationships in our lives to sustain us. And probably some of the, the stuff in that's been hard for marriages and families is it's all deep all the time and, and relentless in the Yes. In yeah. The I time. think the relentlessness is that's a good word because mm -hmm. I think that that is what it's been like. Yeah. Well, thank you for giving us some really practical starting places as we begin to try to imagine even in the midst of a pandemic, and maybe even as we realize all this stuff has come up, you know, how might we begin to imagine something new for our marriages? And I think both of your books do a really great job of helping your reader begin to imagine again what a, a thicker marriage might look like. So thank you. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, and encourage our listeners to go pick up a copy. But before we conclude, I'd love to hear your laundry routine. And I always ask this because one, it's super fun to find out like, what's everyone's laundry routine. And, but secondly, because it's important that we're able to connect the dots between all of those big things, but like, there's probably a lot of marital fights over laundry, right? I mean, my husband does our laundry because I don't do it properly or I don't fold as nicely as he does. So, you know, that's how we've just solved it. He just does our laundry. So I'd love to hear your routine. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. So when Christopher grew up, he had a magic hamper. Oh. And that magic hamper, <laughs> how that worked is uh -huh. he could wear something once. He could use a towel once, mm -hmm. throw it in the hamper. And at the end of the day, he would come back from school or rehearsal and his clothes would be folded or hung up. The towels the end would of be the day. Every wow. day. So his mother loved to do laundry and she had an entire room with the starches and the bleaches and the irons and the, and I didn't grow up with a magic camper <laughs> and we didn't get one for a wedding present. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so that in fact was one of the 
key Mm. things that we fought about in the early years of our marriage. He came in expecting that I would love to do laundry because his mom loved to do laundry. Yeah. And I don't love to do laundry. (laughs) I do it. You know, it's just completely functional. The stuff gets thrown in and it comes out clean enough and it goes in the dryer. And then at some point I put it away. Yeah. Um, So our kids, you know, we have three sons who all played sports. So tons of gross, smelly, dirty, greasy, green, you know, Mm -hmm. items of clothing. Yeah. From the time that they were like eight or nine, they did their own laundry. Yeah. um, Learned how to separate it, learned how to spot treat it. And, um, you know, finally, I don't know why it took us so long because Christopher and I are not dumb people, (laughs) but it probably took us about 15 years before he realized, oh, why don't I just do my laundry? Mm -hmm. And suddenly so many of the conflicts have disappeared. So that's great. I love it. I think it's so fascinating how just some of these chores, right, can be such a window on our families of origin, right, our marital relationship, our expectations. It's never, laundry is never just laundry. No, nor the same with cleaning the house or or food prep and cleanup. I think we can't get around them. Yes. Thank you for helping us just kind of understand a little bit about what's going on, even as we think about our laundry routines. Yes. Thanks for being here. Love your podcast. Thanks for having me on. You're so welcome. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. It was rich with so many practical and helpful ideas. I hope you'll go over to the show notes, click the link. You can check out both of Dorothy's books, Making Marriage Beautiful and Marriage in the Middle. I want to leave you friends with one small step as we try to connect the dots between things that really matter and our everyday holy lives. So this week, I would love for you to think of one way that you might increase your imagination for a particular relationship. Maybe it is your marriage. I know it can be really easy sometimes in our most intimate relationships to take that person for granted, but applying our imagination And choosing to actually think about what is our telos, what is our goal, is one way in which we can kind of rekindle a thoughtfulness, a care, a lovingness, and imagination to those who are most dear to us. So I'm going to ask you to ask someone in your life, whether that's your spouse or someone else, about where they might see a lack of imagination in your relationship and what's one practical thing you might do to move forward. I love how Dorothy talked about using the prayer of examine, that confession often may be where we need to start to rekindle imagination for those deepest, dearest relationships. Also, don't forget, this is one of a four-episode series, friends, where we are talking about the pandemic and relationships. So if you missed last week, Click on back to episode 71, where I speak with Todd Wilson on how the pandemic has changed church life. And we also talk about the Enneagram and there'll be two more. Don't forget to, I am going to be giving away a big old stack of books from our recent guests. All you need to do right now is go on over to the Finding Holy podcast and leave a review at iTunes. That's it. Just leave a review, tag me, let me know you've done that so I can get a hold of you to potentially send you a copy of one of these great books. Friends, thank you for being here. Your listenership and your ratings and reviews help keep good, nuanced, thoughtful conversations going because big things matter, but so 
does the laundry. 